Welcome to Belmont Banter, the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC. Every week we chat to ex-players, supporters and invited guests here on Belmont Banter. Welcome to the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Belmont Banter. And this week, we've got another guest, which I've been trying to get on for quite a while. It's Carl Larriman. Carl, how are you doing, buddy? Yeah, very well, Tony. Thank you. Very well. Good. Nice to see you sitting in the sunshine. It's lovely. Now then, you're up to date. You're still involved with football, but we don't want to talk about that now. What we want to do is we want to go back to when you very first got interested in football as a young kiddie. Who got you involved? Was it just your naturally curiosity or was it at school or your mum and dad or how did it work out? Oh, such a long time ago. I guess, uh, well, we, I grew up in Australia for the first kind of 10 years. So played a bit of um, Australian rules and cricket and and kind of I didn't really play football till I was called kind of 10, 11. We came home from Australia and Played for the school team, and my dad often kicked the ball around with me, and um, yeah, and then like it is, you you find out you're not bad at it, you're okay, um, <laughs> and then you you get in the school team, and the teacher says you're not bad, and you go to the district, and you get in the district team, and you're asked to play a couple of years above at school, and then you get in the county team, and then I suppose you think, well what's going to happen next you know how does this work so yeah so that's how it was that's how it started and back in the day of course there was no distractions really it was outdoor sport or or nothing Um, so it was tennis balls up the wall and kicking a ball around with a mate and laying benches down in the park and, and and kicking balls against the benches and playing little 1v1 games and yeah, just generally kind of experimenting with what it felt like and, you know, what was my kicking like and could I do it with both feet and what was my control like? And so, yeah, that's how it started. And I'm sure that was the case for lots of lots of the lads out there that are my age. I was quite inquisitive as a youngster, like with the mechanics of it all, you know, how does this work? And I, I wanted to be able to kind of strike the ball with my laces. I want to be able to bend it and make it swerve and chip it. And I kind of wanted to do that stuff. Yeah, so that's that's kind of how it started. And and then you get in the county team and so subjected to a wider audience. Yes. And then you know, a couple of football league clubs sort of like the look of me and I went in at a couple of places. And, and although it didn't, turn out how I'd like to, it to have done. I, I kind of played at Crystal Palace for my junior kind of school years, if you like, 14, 16, 17. Charlton Athletic for a little while and, and made some lifelong friends along the way. So, That's good. Yeah. Where did you actually live, Carl? When you come back from Australia, where did you, you end up living? Okay, so my... my uh, I was going to say my parents then. Unfortunately, I lost my father this time kind of last year. Um, but my mother still lives in, a, in the same house that they shared together, my, my father and her. And um, down at Capstan Road, there opposite Luton Wreck, it's been like a forever house for 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 my mum. So some I don't know what, what am I now? Some fifty years almost they've been there. 40, 
47, 48 years, maybe. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. the thing about uh, your journey, and it's akin to everyone's, including mine when I was young, is there was no academies, nothing like that. But you've just hit on something that's really just because you talked to you, you then said about how obsessive you were about technique hitting it with the laces the curve the swerve on the ball yeah a lot of young kids all they did was kick a football they didn't think about that you know not not straight away it wasn't at 9 10 11 i just I, but i wanted to learn how to do it and it, i suppose that was my kind of inquisitive mind around the sport you know i wanted to be able to do stuff I, I, I do think that back in the day there wasn't the, the distractions there are now and and kids and youngsters kind of played outside you know that 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 was what we did you know yeah. I had a big, where the parents lived we just discussed is Luton wreck I spent hours and hours and hours over there sometimes on my own you know I'm talking about when I was 12 13 14 and of course as you said there's no academies so you were kind of self-taught you were, you were able to sign blue forms at 14 they're called schoolboy forms yeah at professional clubs if they deemed if they thought that you had kind of some kind of potential so it was kind of geared to I want to be good enough to be able to do that I'm not saying I was the best in the world I'm saying that I wanted to be able to have an opportunity to find out what it what it was like so that meant lonely hours that meant lonely practice sometimes you know I, I can remember using the lights from the cars um, as they went along Capstan Road, I'd stand close to the railings, keeping the ball up in the air. That was 13, 14, 15. Of course, they became other distractions when you got 18, 19, 20. But that, that, those ages were, were practice hours, were lonely hours. And it was something I enjoyed. I kind of quite liked my own company and trying to master different things. So, And you learned a bit off your mates as well, didn't you? If somebody did something that was a bit unusual, you'd try that yourself. Yeah, always. I, in London, I was I was the country bumpkin. I come from down in Kent, and I signed for Crystal Palace, and they were all wide London boys. You know, they were street kind of lads, knew how it all worked, and yeah. I was a bit country, and so I got a bit stick for that. But it, it, you could learn, and they were all into the you know the different turns, and at that time, Johan Cruyff and all those kind of players. Had, invented new turns, a bit like Ronaldo and Messi and all those do today. It was Johan Cruyff and Pelé and the, and the likes back in our day. But yeah, you wanted to, you just wanted to, you wanted to have a go at everything. Yeah, that's what we did. How did you move on then from sort of like Crystal Palace and Charlton? What happened next? Because you mentioned something about scouting. Well, I was allowed, I was asked to go and play um, in, in Denmark and I, I I didn't go, I was 17, 18, or maybe just before 18. I was asked to go anyway. I kind of didn't. And, and listen, it's very easy to look back and go, well, I wonder what would have happened if I'd have gone. But I was a bit of a home kid. And mm. and so, for want of better words, maybe I bottled it and uh, yeah. I didn't go. And I didn't really get into coaching straight away. I, 18 to 21, it was kind of about... The teams that I played in, I really enjoyed. We had a we had a team at Sittingbourne that I loved playing in. Um, that are great friends till today, you know. We, 
then my father was the manager. He assembled a real good side and the likes of Stevie Cairns, Johnny Herbert, Paul Everest, Gary Doe, Arthur Irving, Andy Leach, Wally Butler, big friend of mine, Stevie Wadhams, who, who unfortunately just recently has um, passed on, but really, really kind of tight group, loved it there. And What was the name of the club? What was it called? Well, we were sitting Bourne Football Club. We were that's that's where we were. So oh, you, you and your, your dad was there in, involved with it then. But dad was the manager. I mean, I got a bit of stick early on because they said, uh, "Listen, you might not be in the team if dad weren't the manager." I got a bit of that from all the opposition and stuff like that. But once you scored a few goals, I think they left you alone. And the teammates were very supportive. But it was a wonderful three or four years. Like really, really enjoyed it there. Probably playing wise. That and, and and bits of Sheppey were my favourite clubs. I, I played also at the Dartford and, and Bromley. And, yeah, so but I enjoyed it most at Sittingbourne and Sheppey. You've just hit on one word there that most people keep coming up with, mates. And that's what yeah. it is, isn't it? I think that back in the day, look, we, 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 now the remuneration is kind of, it's off the wall. And what, what, what you got playing for... Kent League clubs, in order to go and play at Isthmian and um, conference clubs, I went to Dartford. The, the remuneration wasn't a whole lot more and it was a whole lot more travelling and, and not necessarily with, look, they become teammates, you, 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 they become acquaintances and you get, but they weren't your true friends. No. And once you realise you're not going to have a career as a professional, I, I want to, to the best of my ability, play with my mates um, at a good standard. And the Kent League then was a good standard with, with, you know, and some bloody good players who certainly would. I guess the beauty of us playing back in the day was that we've seen everyone since us play. But the negative side is that the players of today didn't see us. I've played with and against some terrific players, but... Players of today don't understand what you're... I saw Matt Stock a couple of weeks ago. He's not been very well, Matt. And I played with him at a couple of clubs and well, he was outstanding. But people didn't get to see him play. You know, other players... It, it, which is a bit unfortunate because it's so hard for you to say, well, this, this and this and back in the day because they've not seen it. No, they've not seen it, no. So they just go, well, all our yesterdays, eh? <laughs> you know? So... So, yeah, and there's some good players. Don't get me wrong, there's some good players, but I've just thought the, the general standard of, of, of player was a, was a very good one when we played, particularly in the Kent League. I mean, I, I played up in the Bees at Prem and with Dartford and a few games in the conference when they were in the conference. But like there were some decent players. But I don't think there was that much difference between the levels, you know. And, and yet once that step up is taken, particularly for the club, there's a lot lot more pressure on the club and the players, isn't there? Because although it's a step up, better opposition, everything else, it doesn't always equate with the attendances and the, and the finances. It's a real balancing act, isn't it? Yeah, and of course, yeah, it is, Tony. And it was like you're on a bus and you could be on the bloody bus for eight, ten hours in the day. There was no, you didn't travel on trains. Clubs couldn't afford it. So you you travelled on buses. A couple of times you travelled on the train, the, the real, real normal ones. But And I couldn't kind of, 
for me and, and what I wanted, I didn't like the idea of being out from up about seven in the morning, traveling into London to get on a coach or, or the odd occasion the train and getting home at half 10, 11 o'clock at night. It kind of, it wasn't for me, just like as part-time football, if you like. It wasn't for me. I kind of, I don't know, people might say it's a cop out. I don't know, but I kind of like the idea of meeting up with my mates at half past 12, traveling to wherever for, up past one, playing at three, and then being with my friends again at five up past. And the standard was a good one it was. that we played in. So, but I didn't, I, I wasn't, I wasn't blessed with loving uh, traveling, you know, around the countries in different parts of the world, yes, but yeah. up and down the country to play football wasn't for me. No, of course, the pitches, wherever you went, the pitches were bogs and bumpy and so I didn't see much point in travelling five hours to play on a bumpy pitch. No, that's another thing that uh, the youngsters today don't understand because the general standard of pitches now, I mean, yours where you are, I mean, we've still got a grass pitch, but I mean, we played last night. I'll tell you, it was like a carpet. Beautiful. But take go back only 10 years, 15 years, and some of them were, were a mess, weren't they? Uh, we, we we were lucky. We played at the ball ground and, and, and it was a, a good pitch and... I remember Botany Road was a good pitch. Yeah. I remember your pitch with uh, there at Whitsell because it was a massive, big slope. And it used to really gather the mud. I mean, it be you could put your foot down and yeah. be entrenched. Obviously, yeah. it's improved way it beyond that. But but that was also kind of part of it. Yeah. You know, you'd go to these... You know, I'm not knocking it. I, a, a terrific little non-league club Whitstable Town and when I say little that's not condescending because they're all little clubs really who, yeah. who, who, who are doing their best to keep up with all the standards of all the clubs and, and, and a lot of money does now go in the, in the development of the pitches and the stadium and the facilities and health and safety all the things that weren't there before that are there now oh, I quite liked it I mean we went, we went to different places I remember Tunbridge Wells was very difficult to play on the surface, but if you got them nice and early in, in the season, it was like a carpet. It was beautiful. And if you got them like around December, oh no, we've got to go. <laughs> um, listen, we all had our crosses. In, in general, the, the pitches were, were difficult back in the day for everybody. I hope I haven't singled anyone out there that says, oh, well, that pitch, this pitch. I'm just making a general thing that pitches were tougher to play on. It was harder. They were. And you get the odd good ones. Kent Police, I remember, was obviously well looked after and they had, you know, money set aside to look after it and the, and the pitch was nice there. Yeah, I can remember Ramsgate and yeah. all of them. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't not have wanted the experience. I'm glad I played at all these places, you know, that, and they've improved so much over the years. There's, there's so much developed gone into it and credit to all of these clubs and their committees and their chairman for, for, for for moving the stadium and the pitches on. Yeah, it's a lot of hard work behind the scenes, isn't there? Oh, uh, you don't really look. I, I didn't realise as a player what what um, people did. Um, it's only when you kind of get involved you know, on the coaching side and the management side, if you like, that you you see what everyone does. You see who collects the corner flags, and puts them away. You see who sweeps up and tidies the dressing room. You see it all. Yeah, you know, see people in there with, with the cloths and the creams and the cleaning all the tiles, and you see it because you're there more often. 
Yeah. As a player, you just go down there twice a week and play on a Saturday and in the bar and home, you know, yeah. so you don't see it. That's very true. Yeah. That's very and true. So these, these, these kind of people uh, are the ethos of the club and they keep the, the club going and, and well done to all of them. Yeah, well done. That's good that you've highlighted that because it's, it's almost like front of house and back of house, isn't it? It's, a, it's almost like a theatre. You know, you yeah. see the curtain go up, you see all the glamour and everything else, but you don't see the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, the stage movement, the, the guy with the broom, like you said. So, no, it's a good, it's a very, very good point to make. And then without these kind of people, the, the, the clubs don't survive. And generally they're on a voluntary basis. You know, they're just so in love with the club or the people that they work with that they, they, they're so prepared to give up so much of their time. There's a lot of admiration for them. I've got a lot of admiration for, for the people that do that. Well, you just mentioned on the passing of one of your colleagues, and of course, the stalwart of Whitstable Town was um, Bruce Smith. And Bruce Smith yeah. held every single position in the club except for chairman. He was everything else vice chairman, secretary, chief cook and bottle washer, cleared the drains, did everything. And he just did it because he loved the club. I, I know Bruce, of course I did. Um, I speak to people like Graham Mitchell and I had a little spell at Whitstable, but that was to help Trevor Gowan. Do you remember Trevor Gowan? Yeah, Trevor online. Uh, yeah. yeah, I helped him out for, for a little while. I didn't really want to. But anyway, I played a few games. But So I didn't get to know Bruce overly well, but I know that uh, Graham Mitchell and Stevie Wadhams himself and Andy Leach and Jerry Allen and all those kind of people were big fans of Bruce for yeah. what he did for the club. And, and they have a lot of uh, love for him. It's been a... Difficult period because mentioning those names that Stevie passing just recently, it's kind of a kind of affected. I'm I'm sure many more people than me, but it's kind of affected me as a as a you know when you think of how much time we spent together when we were playing and then outside of playing, and then they're not there anymore. You know, it's it's and so young. It's hard to sort of square the circle sometimes. But let's let's go forward now, if you like. Yeah. When did your playing career actually finish? When did you? When well, when you... I was about when I was about twenty. <laughs> <laughs> some would say it finished at Bromley. Some would say it finished at Dartford. Some would say it finished at. I guess uh, <laughs> I rolled my ankle at Tunbridge Wells, and never really recovered. But played until I was about twenty-seven, twenty-eight, really, and then I still played, but I was on one leg. Yeah, so, and you and you play best for some clubs, you know. I, I think the people at Sittingbourne would probably say I played best for them. The yes. people at Sheppey would probably say I played best for them. The people at Bromley would probably say I played best for Sittingbourne and Sheppey. Yeah. So, in the brief period that you were at Whitstable, we'd probably say you played the best for us. So I, yeah, well, I get what you're saying, yeah. Do you, you know, know what? This is the thing about players. They're almost like loan to us supporters. You know, I class myself as a supporter, obviously, although I'm involved with the club. But, you know, they're yours for the time that they're with you. When they go on and then they come to another club, they always get a good welcome when they come back. You know, that's how yeah. it's got to be. I think, though, that, look, we had lots of pals that we'd meet at the at the Wagon at Howe, which is a pub not far from my, where my mum and, and dad live. We'd meet at this Wagon at Howe, and it was Sheppy players, Chatham players, Sittingbourne players. We'd all meet there and on a Saturday evening after the game. So 
you know, you'd shower and quick drink with your teammates, and then four or five of you'd go to the pub and four or five chatting players, four or five, and, and you'd spend all night discussing football. The wives would all sit together, and, and on the cold nights, it'd be a big, cold log fire. But I think back in the day, there was a little bit more loyalty with the clubs you played for, so people would stay three, four, five years. Now, I think the turnover of players is quite a hefty one. It's a lot quicker, yeah. Yeah, and it's think, a lot more heavy. I think partly that is they get their head turns as well. I guess financial remuneration or a team that comes yeah. knocking that's two or three places in the league above or in, or they've got better players or whatever it is. Yeah. It, it, there's, there's a lot of movement um, with the players. But look, listen, it's a, dem- a democracy and I guess... Everyone's allowed, right? Right. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. So 26, you've sort of uh, hung your boots up uh, playing-wise. Did you then get into coaching? I was fortunate enough. I mean, I kind of lost my way for a little while and I was fortunate enough to meet a fellow called John Ryan. He was the manager at uh, Sitting Bull. So they sold up at the ball ground and went to Central Park and employed John. I can't remember how I got down there. For, for whatever reason, I was down there um, and got chatting to him about football, just inquisitive, just asking him questions. And he said, come and see me on Tuesday. And some more questions and some more. Join in with a bit of training, so I was still able to join in. Yeah. Um, so I, was, I think I was about 28. Come and join in. So I joined in and boom, boom, boom. Let me get chatting. And and then he kind of offered me the youth team job there, which I, it was such a long time ago. Two nights a week and a Sunday for 20 quid. How about that time? Oh, so so I did it. as co- And I had no qualifications. So coaching was, uh, it was something I was interested in. From a kid where I was inquisitive how to do things, it was now it was about, well, how can I? help other people do things Um, and then I passed my prelim which was a kind of a week's course and you get assessed over three topics etc and then Simbon Football Club gave me a full-time job I think that went up to about £120 a week which was full-time 40-50 hours a week for I did that and I went on a prep course and back in the day Central Park was a new thing and they had two lovely training pitches down the bottom. Yes, I remember a long time ago. But I yeah, and, and obviously plus the stadium. Yeah. So um, um, Les Reed and uh, Martin Hunter, both uh, big in the FA at the time and have since been at, uh, both of them been experienced men at different football clubs. They were running a preparatory course and part of them being able to use the facility was that I went on the course. Um, anyway, so I went on it and did really well and they invited me on a full licence, which was like a month later or something at yeah. uh, Shaw, and I passed that. And so within like a year, 18 months, I'd got to my full licence, kind of took to it. It was, I kind of understood it. And I guess you, you have your own style, your own way. And yes. I asked questions of players and... So back in the day, it was a bit command. Do it like this, do that, do this. Mm-hmm. And then they 
guided discovery was well, how do you feel what would it be like if you did it like this how could you improve this how could you so he was trying to lead someone to an answer and then i found that a combination of the both was me sometimes tell sometimes guide and kind of trying to really uh, create a relationship with players so anyway that was that and i passed the full badge and that was me up and running so and then oh, now I've got the, okay, so what do I do with it? You know, yeah. what is it that I do? And that's where John Ryan was, was key. Yeah, he was key to me. And through my life, I was lucky. I met a couple of people that were, were beneficial on uh, friends from many years back. So John, still a friend now, went out to see him last year uh, in Spain. Yeah. Um, Neil Banfield. I went to Dover with John. He, he resigned at City Mall and went to Dover. Mm -hmm. I went with him and took up the youth development role there. So again, it was all learning. It was all about learning and learning about players and learning about coaching methods and, and putting your own style across and, and developing. Mm. And then John got the sack, unfortunately. John got the sack. Um, Peter Taylor came. I worked for him for a little while. And then Neil Banfield, who was a friend of mine at Crystal Palace, kind of. Yeah, when you were young, yeah. When we were like youngsters, babies, but we'd yeah. been friends all through the years. He rang me and said, Look, listen, can you come up to Charlton? We want to have a chat with you. And I, look, I've been called, I've been talking to him about it, but I hadn't declared any interest and they hadn't declared any interest to me. And so I got a job running a running one of the teams. So that was like twice a week coaching and a and a Sunday. And in the team was the chief executive son. And like we did really well. And so, you know, the academy manager and him got together and it was like, well look, do you want to do a bit more? And so it developed from there and then I became full time. And then 10 years later, I'd worked I'd worked there for 10 years with some good people. Yes. And then Neil had gone, Neil Banford had gone to Arsenal um, with Don Howe and, and the like. And I've been speaking on off, on, on, off, off. And then I got a phone call, uh, Liam Brady wants to speak to you. So, oh yeah, so Liam Brady, like, oh yeah, I know Liam Brady, don't we worry. A legend of. Absolutely. So, okay. And kind of that was that, really. I'll, and off I went. So, not so nicely, after 16, 15, 16 years, it ended not so nicely. About two years ago, Arson, Liam left. Yeah. Um, Arson left. Um, and, uh, Big changes. Yeah. Big changes. And, it, and things change, don't they? And they do. uh, yeah. things could have been done a bit better, to be fair. But look, these things happen in football. Yeah, and, they do. And and on you go. So that was a hell of a journey for you, though, wasn't it? Jeez. Yeah, it was. A, and in between, I've been to America and um, done six months out there in between a couple of jobs. And I just wanted to educate myself. Yeah. I wanted to. I wanted to know more. I wanted to work with people that knew more than me. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to listen to them. I, I, I was so keen and, you know, I went round a couple of clubs and I remember John Cartwright, who's uh, 
close with Neil Banford. I went watch, he was at Crystal Palace at the time. I went to watch and Tony Carr at West Ham. I went to watch and I wanted to improve myself. I want to know what, how, we, how they did it. What was, you know, not that there's any secrets because everyone does it in their own, own style and own way. But I was keen to learn from the best people and, yeah, and that's what I did. I travelled around the clubs and, 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 and built my knowledge up. And, you know, read books and practised with sessions and sat with, with note paper and, and pens and coloured pens and drawing diagrams and write, what yeah. would happen if that happened? What would that look like? How many balls can I get into this? You know, what does the tempo be like? How long could they do it for? What's the recovery time? What? And so just loaded myself with knowledge. I'm going to ask you an awkward question. Now, you've yeah. had a very, very checkered career. For yes, me. I still love my wife, of course I do. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and, then, and then on the coaching side, yeah. there must have been one or two players through your fingers that for whatever reason, they didn't have the right attitude. It's going to be difficult because you, I don't really want you to name anybody because I don't want you to put the dish the dirt on anyone. But you right. must have been so frustrated at times when you've seen a kid and he's got the, all the ability in the world, but he hasn't got either the desire or anything up there. Yeah. I, look, How do you cope with that as a, as a, you know, a coach? I think what you have to look for is all the strengths that the individual's got, because it is an individual thing. Yeah. All the strengths, and then I don't like to call them weaknesses, but all the development areas... Good comment, yeah. So, so if it's football intelligence that is missing, that 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 you know that's that's an area you can work on. If it's the physicality, so some kids are outstanding technically, but haven't got the physical capacity. Some oh. some have got the physicality, but but not the technical ability. So so you have to work out what you've got, and what is it that this individual needs yes and then through time work out at what levels do you think these youngsters could play so we we in general most of the most of the players at um arsenal were 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 decent players because they they uh they were scouted yeah you know, there'd be other clubs in for them as well. As much as Chelsea would have players that Arsenal were interested, Arsenal had players at Chelsea. Of course. Yeah. Uh, or Tottenham or West yeah. Ham or... Yeah. So, so they all had something, but the skill is what have they got and what do they need? Yeah. And if you could combine, where does that take them? How, where will it take them? Mm -hmm. And I think that the key is to get the maximum of their potential, get it out of them and sit and discuss things with them and talk to them, talk to them and, and make them value what they are. You know, what is it that you need? You know, and as they get older, look, these are the kind of, when they get older and they're 16, 15, 16, 17, look, these are the things that are going to get you in people's teams. These, because they're your strengths. Yeah. So keep working on them because they're going to get you in people's teams. And these are the things that are going to get you out of the team. So you've got to work this. on your development. Yeah, I get what you're so, going. Yeah. So, so now, 
not only you've got to work on your strengths because that's what gets you in, but work on your development areas because you don't want them to be the things that are going to get you out. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, and once you've kind of um, created a, a, a relationship with these players as a, 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 with regards to communication and stuff, in may, most of the time, they're going to want to do it. Have you ever done any speaking at all? Have you ever gone around giving coaching seminars? Yeah. yeah. I guess you had, because honestly, your, your passion for coaching, just it just comes out. I think that, that, you know, the lads will laugh now, but I was the baby of the group. Like I still am with all my pals. Like I'm, yeah. I'm nearly 60, but I'm still the baby yeah. of the group. So they were all, you know, three, four, five, Six years older, the ones I knocked about with when I was playing. So I was eight in there, all 25. Just, they were just starting out on young families and, and stuff. And they educated me in how to communicate and develop. And um, that I learned so much from, from, from all the lads I played with and socialised with. Um, it, they, they grew and shaped me without, without knowing it. Um, they're still all my friends to today, and they were good people to talk to about football. Yeah, it's good. It's the good thing about football; it's long-lasting, isn't it? It is. Everyone's got the brilliant, haven't they? The, yeah. the local plumber, the yeah. electrician. Yeah. And... Absolutely. I don't know yeah. how to. Do We're getting to the end of the end of the chat, but and I don't want to not stop by not talking about your current situation. But you only need to tell me, you know, as much as you want to tell me. But you're involved with Chatham, aren't you? Yes, I am. So, so um, okay. So, how that developed was, uh, I went out. I thought, God only knows. I think a couple of the lads were going up there to, mm. to watch a game, and I finished at Arsenal. And I was not interested. That that was me done. I'm yeah. finished. I'll head towards retirement. And anyway, I spoke to Kevin Ake, the chairman. Said, look, so and so and so and so and so. And so. I was introduced to him. Could you come and meet me in Westmoreland. So I went and met with him and kind of it developed from there. I liked what he had to say. That I liked what they'd done to the ground. I hadn't been up there for such a long time. And what they've done to the stadiums kind of beyond right. belief. They're, yeah. they're massive in the community. They're, they're, they're you know, food for, for, for those who, 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 who are finding things tough. They supply food and clothes banks and hmm. just so much they've done in the community and to, to, help uh, enhance people's kind of uh, everyday life yeah um and so that was that director of youth that you know then the first team manager was employed a fellow called scott Lindsay. he's done a very good job with darren smith uh, his assistant unfortunately well fortunately for scott he, you know the the goal was he he he, he come in and and we wanted to help him kind of get his career back on track. He had a dreadful time that his wife passed and, and, and the club were lucky to get him. You know, um, he needed something, but he couldn't be too far away from home because of his family and, and stuff. So we were fortunate enough to get Scott. And Scott has kind of just, just recently left and gone to Swindon Town. Um, and Darren Smith sort of gave the time because he was big with Scott and anyway long long story short and not that I'm 
Um, it's not something I would have chosen to have done, um, but the chairman and myself are, are looking after the, the team. We played last night. We played Maidstone last night. Drew two all. We played Welling on Saturday. Drew nil nil. So they're Conference South teams. Brilliant. Um, and so for the period that's not too far in, in the distance, for this period, I am sitting in the hot seat with the chairman. Well, congratulations. Who's more of a friend than the chairman? He's dead. Congratulations. You know. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing that. And the reasons behind it are I want to keep all the backroom staff, Scott, the chairman, myself, Smudger, we've got a squad together for the coming season. And of course, you know how it works. Managers come in. Everything changes. Everything changes. They want their own staff. They want their own players and so on and so forth. So, um, so more we, importantly, they suddenly want a different style of play at times, don't they? Well, this is big with us. We, we've uh, created a DNA that we play to that's not easily coached. And we wanted the continuity. So all the kids play the same throughout the age groups. Developed some some young players that are in and around the first team squad right now, and a couple have been on trial at league clubs. So we didn't want to change the philosophy of the club. Yeah. And long term, within the dressing room, or short term, <laughs> Tony. If we're winning, I should carry on. <laughs> but if we're losing, it'd be the chairman's fault. If we're winning, it's down to me. Down to you. Um, and uh, but we have senior players within our club that we think on the back of us are, are potential managers for the future. So Great. we think we think we might have it in-house. Yeah, that's, that's always good, isn't it? That's always good. Well, if we can get some results early on up front, then it'll be a good decision. Um, but of course, if we don't, then we're going to have to make a decision on whether we go for someone outside or, yeah. or we prom promote one of these early. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's taken us full circle. What a journey. What a journey, Carl. That's absolutely <laughs> yeah. fantastic. Well, I think we need to end it there only because of time, but I could carry on chatting to you for hours because uh, I find it really fascinating. Your take on uh, players, young players, coaching. I heard an interesting thing yesterday on the radio and it was to do with Leeds. It was a thing about uh, one of the guys phoned in saying how he was worried about Leeds, they're going to lose their players or whatever else. And the guy that was in the chair talking, I don't know who he was, he was an ex-player, but he's had some involvement with Leeds. And he said, let me tell you now, he said, the way that this uh, Bielsa carries on coaching, everyone in the back line knows each other's job. So left back, right back, whatever it might be, they can all play in each other's position. Because what he does when he trains them, he, he has the left back and the right back's position and the right back and the left back's position. So however, if there's any problems within the team, if there's an injury, somebody's not quite hit form, people can move around. And he said that doesn't only apply to the first team players, it applies to the reserves as well. It's the way the club ethos works. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, that's a clever man. But that's why this, this season coming is going to be Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and, and forever. And so not everyone's going to be able to play in all of those games. No, exactly. So, you're going to, so all these non-league clubs have got to have people that can cope with coming in to yes. replace someone. So, so more shared game time. Yes. Um, 
So that means you've got to be on top of your coaching and they've got to be on top of their understanding. So that means you've got to be on top of your delivery. So they, everyone understands because there's a, I think there'll be a lot of, with us, we've got 16, 17, 18 and, and, and two or three. So maybe we've got 20 with, with some youngsters and it's not 10 of them that's going to play. It's, it's 18 of them, 20 of them that are going to play. So. Well, it's been a brilliant chat. I really enjoyed it. So as much as I wish uh, Whistle Town some joy this season, I sincerely hope that you get off to a good start and continue to. So uh, brilliant. Can I just say to, to, to all the people out there that are listening that uh, I send my love to you all. Um, I haven't seen some of you for ages and it'd be great catching up perhaps this season or on the ground. So good luck to you all in this year's campaign. Well done. Thanks, Carl. Well, from me here at Belmont Banter and Carl Larriman on the other end of a Zoom call, it's a goodbye from now and we'll speak to you again soon. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. They are providers of optical fibre services to the telecoms industry, specialising in optical fibre provision, local and long haul. We offer a full turnkey solution to our clients throughout London and the south of England. Contact us through the website for more details. Your host, Tony Rouse, every week on Belmont Banter for news about local football in Kent and beyond. I do hope that you've enjoyed today's episode of Belmont Banter. Don't forget there's a new episode out every week which comes out on a Sunday night, early Monday morning. And you can leave your suggestions for a guest to invite at the end. And leave a like and don't forget to pass it on to all your mates. Cheers.